Third Shift presents The Imposter's Guide to Gaming, your quick fix for gaming news. Here are your hosts, Eric and Matt. Candyland for gamers is come and gone, everybody. E3 is in the past. All the boys and girls have just gotten fat off all that new information. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Today, we're going to celebrate by just giving a nice good old list of five and five of our favorite things from this E3. Do you like shooting aliens? Well, there's going to be some of that. Do you like messing around in exosuits and stuff? Might be a little bit of that. Are you more of a pirate? Arr. There's going to be some of that too. Yar. And are you an AI robot who wants to kill everybody? This is IG2G, episode nine. Stay tuned, because here we go, everybody. Number five. Starting off this wonderful list, we've got Anthem. Now, this was showcased at the Microsoft conference, but of course, come to find out, it will actually be on the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. This is being developed by the original OG crew of BioWare, the guys who brought you all three of the basic Mass Effects, the amazing ones, you know, <laughs> not, not the questionably might be good one, we're not too sure. These guys, they know their stuff, and they sure the hell showcased it with that freaking demo they had. Mm-hmm. But if you have any interest at all in hopping in an exosuit, being a freelance ranger they had like a tank Mm -hmm. they had like a healing bot what they suspect was probably a healing bot it's got that whole class system set up and structured and it looks like you might even be able to change your mech suit so if you want to be a tank one time or whatever yeah because in the intro they had the three exosuits sitting there i would assume you'd have different loadouts and then jumping right from that the whole premise of this game is you can go in one player, you can go in multiplayer. You get these missions, you can collect them in town. It showcased you actually getting one mission by walking through town. And while you were walking in town, you were in first person. And then you got this quest, and the guy's like, hey, help me, my guys are out there. You know, all that good stuff. And then you head out into the wilds once you get in your suit, which was what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. And then in that point, I think you get to choose, you know, do you want to be a ranger, warrior, tank, whatever it is. And then you head out. And what I thought was really sweet about that was it was seamless. So, like, one second you're sitting in the town chilling, the next second you're out adventuring. And then they showcase the wilds where animals were fighting one another, and you could interfere, not interfere. Mm-hmm. Then obviously you came upon bad guys, and you could fight them. And then they got to a little unknown location, and they were like, hey, we should explore that with Fred, which then showcased that you can get your buddies on board, form teams. I'm going to assume you're probably going to be able to get all sorts of clans, guilds. I don't know if it'll be in-game or out of game. Oh, I'm sure. If this doesn't sound familiar to you, it's a lot like Destiny, except one big thing is when you're out in the world, it's got a nice, awesome, over-the-shoulder view, mm-hmm. which is you know reminiscent of your classic Mass Effects rather than Destiny's first-person shooter. Yep. You know, I want to be able to see how bad Mamma Jamba I am all the time. Mm -hmm. And by having you in third person over the shoulder like that, you get to see your character 24-7. They said it's going to be a shared world action RPG. They want to make this last for 10 years. They've got a 10-year plan, just like Destiny said they did. Wow. So this is something you're going to buy into and, in theory, be playing for the next 10 years. If it works, we shall see. But they did a damn good job with their first product in Mass Effect. So this game slated to come out at the end of 2018. So unfortunately, my hype and excitement jumped through the roof. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, went, oh, and, and it came back down to about average. Because in all reality, they said end of 2018, that's more likely going to end up being summer of 2019. Yeah, yeah. Easily. So this one's got a long wait, but I am super stoked to see more demos, more leaks, more things on this game as it progresses throughout the next uh, year or two. So now moving from something that may come out 
a year to two years from now to something that's coming out this year, at least so far. My first game is Crackdown 3, developed by Reagent Games and Sumo Digital, published by Microsoft Studios. This is slated to come out on the 7th of November 2017 for Xbox One and PC. If nobody knows what Crackdown's about, you're a crazy super-powered agent running all around through the city, taking down gang lords with all kinds of crazy abilities. This one basically looks like they went back to the original Crackdown 1 style. So you've got super jumps, you've got orbs hidden all over the place. They said they've basically blown up the Crackdown world. This city is twice the size of the original Crackdown city, and the tallest building in this one is twice the height of the original. So you've got all kinds of verticality, all kinds of volume and area to play around in. Like I said, the gameplay they showed off was pure Crackdown 1, jumping around, getting agility orbs, blowing people up with explosives, getting you explosive orbs. Crazy over-the-top action. So if anybody loves that kind of thing, definitely check out Crackdown 3. The only one negative is when they were originally talking about Crackdown 3, they were showing off a lot of the destructibility, saying like the whole map was going to be destructible. You could be knocking down buildings, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Apparently that's going to be more in the multiplayer mode. When you're just offline on your Xbox One, you're not going to be able to blow up entire buildings. But when you're online working with other players, I think it kind of uses the power of your Xbox and their Xbox and cloud servers to let you guys tear buildings apart from the front to the back, from the roof to the foundations. You can just rip everything apart. So that looks like crazy fun as long as you do have an internet connection and friends to play that with. Before you jump off of that, the one note I would say is I watched the E3 trailer for that as it was happening and it had Terry Crews in it. You know, I was super stoked because I love Terry Crews. Oh, yeah. But I would say the E3 trailer left me more like confused than anything. Because I don't play Crackdowns. I'm not really familiar with them. Yeah. People just started kind of hyping it up. So I was like, well, this will be interesting. It's got to be pretty good. But I, I came away not really understanding what that game was about from that trailer. So I feel like they should have probably put a little more of the demoing that they probably did later, obviously, Yeah. into that trailer. Because if anybody's like me, I was kind of like, oh, I don't really know what this game's about. Is it like Infamous or what, what do we got here? <laughs> I could see that. I think for a while it was just like the working title was just Crackdown. Since they changed their mind and started marketing it as Crackdown 3, I think it's more like, hey, everyone knows this. I think if they had just kept it as Crackdown, then you'd see a lot more gameplay versus, hey, it's Crackdown 3. If you know it, you're going to know it so we don't have to show it. Gotcha. So yeah, I'm super pumped for it. I'm a little sad, though, because it is an Xbox One and PC exclusive, and my PC's not going to be good enough to run it. So if I want to play it, I'm going to have to get me an Xbox One finally. But there's another game coming up that I'm going to have to do that with, too. So maybe I'll be on Xbox. Who knows? Number four. Next up, we've got Metroid Samus Returns. This one is being developed by Mercury Steam, the same guys who've done several Castlevania games. So, you know, they've got a decent pedigree, depending on whether you like the ones they did or not, which <laughs> I did. I am pretty stoked that they're on board with this one because it's a complete reimagining of the second Metroid, which was on the Game Boy, you know, all green and black. Mm -hmm. So I saw a whole bunch of gameplay for this game, and not only are they reimagining it, but they're also changing all sorts of stuff up because, you know, usually you can only take uh, Samus's arm, and at 45-degree angles, you can shoot. Yeah. Well, on this one, they've got it so you can control it and shoot at any angle you desire. And they're oh, going nice. to have, like, a little red reticle showing out, and then even an audio bleep whenever you're on target. Mm -hmm. And then you can hit the enemies, obviously. That makes it super nice because in the older games, you'd have to... And this was part of the charm, so some may argue, yeah, which yeah. maybe I see you getting ready. To yeah, maybe, you see me with my frowny face. I know. 
<laughs> Some may argue that part of the charm was since you could only shoot at those, you know, those certain angles that you'd have to think appropriately for where you need to be and engage where you are. But I would argue that by changing the system to this and allowing more free range of movement with your uh, weaponry, it allows the game to be more challenging because now they don't have to think about those constraints. That's true. And playing accordingly. They can just send enemies at you however they want because you can engage them in any way you want. So I'm still concerned because I don't think you've said it yet, but this is for the 3DS, and I'm just concerned about how you run and then shoot at all kinds of crazy angles and jump and do all that stuff. I'm picturing, like, touchpad shooting angles, but then that only leaves me one hand to move and then one button to shoot with. Well, let me lay it out. So on the second hand, you're going to be using the stylus. Right. Little, uh, Are you talking about the little nub that's on the new yeah. 3DS? Mm-hmm. I don't have no new mm-hmm. 3DS. Uh, actually, you, I think you're probably very right. Without the new 3DS, I think we're going to be screwed because I can only see it working with that new stylus because then with this one you're moving, with this one you're controlling, and then obviously just shoot with L2, I mean R2 or R1. That's something I'll have to look at because it mm-hmm. didn't say new 3DS only. Besides changing the entirety of the uh, arm cannon and how that thing functions, I want to quickly state that this game is for the 3DS. So for anybody out there thinking we were going to get super lucky and it hit the Switch, well, can't get everything we want, but I'm sure you got that 3DS sitting there getting a little bit of dust on it. Oh, yeah. And it will be out for the 3DS. It's looking at a release date of September 15th, 2017. So jumping back on board those new abilities, you're also going to get these new things called Aeon abilities, and these are a consumable ability that you're going to find just like you would any other ability you find in Metroid and then allow you to use them in unique situations to obviously turn the tide of battle in your favor or maybe explore, find something new. Who knows? I'm sure we'll find a lot more out about the different abilities that they provide later on. And then the last new move that really piqued my interest was a counter melee move. So say you screw up your shots and they're getting in range, you'll be able to do like an uppercut thing that counters them off and then not only does that but also like boost you up to allow you to take out the enemy before they actually do any damage to you. Nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So unfortunately we're not going back to like super old school sprites. We're getting that nice hybrid that seems to be all the rave these days. I'm still excited about it. Yeah. I still can't wait to see it. You get to go through all of obviously Metroid 2 which was a fantastic game just doesn't hold up because of obvious reasons. I will be buying this game even if it takes blood withdrawals all that good stuff. You'll see me on board. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Next up for me, we've got a new entry for a series that I'm not really a fan of, but the game looks fantastic. We've got Assassin's Creed Origins, developed by Ubisoft Montreal, published by Ubisoft. This is going to be coming out on the 27th of October this year for PC, Xbox One, and PS4. I mean, if you haven't seen literally any pictures or gameplay of it, this entry in the series takes you way back to ancient Egypt, so you're climbing all around on pyramids, on sphinxes, on all kinds of crazy old Egyptian architecture, which is basically my favorite part of any Assassin's Creed game. Going back to that well-realized ancient world, climbing all around, parkour everywhere, being a crazy idiot. The actual moment-to-moment gameplay doesn't ever really excite me that much, but they are changing it up for this one. They said they're overhauling the combat, both melee and ranged, and the ranged especially kind of really piques my interest because in the older Assassin's Creed games, you basically had one shot with ranged and then the enemies would be on you. But this one, it seems like you get all kinds of different bows. You can get sniper bows, you can get what they call like a shotgun bow, which I think is the one you see in the trailer where he loads up five arrows, shoots them in a big arc. So that's pretty cool. One other thing I really did like from the trailer and the gameplay that I saw is that they're totally redoing the way that Eagle Vision works. In the older games, it was basically just like Batman's Detective Vision from the Arkham games. You'd put it on, it would highlight all the enemies, it would highlight any collectibles. Anytime it was up, you just put it on again. It felt really cheap. Oh, I'm just going to stand here in this corner whoosh, 
and just watch the enemy silhouette through the wall. Mm-hmm. Sounds like in this one, they're taking it back to what I guess would be a more, quote fingers, traditional style. You basically send your eagle buddy up and you fly around the map as this eagle and you can mark targets that you see. It really took me back to my days of playing Metal Gear Solid 3 when you didn't have the whole radar system showing where every enemy faced. You actually had to stop and use your binoculars and look. This really kind of took me back to that feel where I got to put my bird up, try and find where people are, and if they're in a building, oh well, he can't see in there. I actually have to be stealthy and do it myself. It makes it cool because, yes, you do get the advantage, which you should have because you're a bad mamba-jamba assassin. Right, right. But, like you were just saying, you still have to be cautious. You still have to be on your toes because maybe you missed something. Maybe they were under a tree in a building or, Mm -hmm. you know, who the hell knows. But you can't just go, oh, I know exactly where everybody is at any given moment, and I'm moving forward. Yeah, because the last one I played, Assassin's Creed Unity, like I said, you could abuse that eagle vision system to just, all right, whoosh, I know there's only three people in this room, so I'm just going to run in, hell mel, hit, hit, stab, they're all dead, run the F out because I see the other guys coming in. Versus if you do that in this one, all right, well, I know there's three people in there, I'm going to try and get behind the box. Oh, crap, there's a fourth guy I didn't know about. It sounds like it really just kind of opens it up, makes it a lot more interesting than that moment-to-moment gameplay. Oh, they also said in what I think is a first for the series, there's going to be multiple playable characters on different quests that you pick up, and there's also going to be crafting systems and gear drop systems. I think in one of the demos that they showed off, they found like a legendary bow with a certain number of abilities on it. They said crafting is going to be really tied to your armor, building up resistances to, you know, melee ranged elemental attacks, which they did talk about on weapons and stuff. Like you can get weapons with fire elemental on them, weapons with poison, really kind of tailor your play style to what you need to do. They really want you to craft the assassin that you want to play. So you can be a melee guy, you can be a stealth guy, you can be a ranged guy. So it really sounds like a good evolution of the series here. Yeah, I never got big into the Assassin's Creed, but uh, this one did pique my interest. And one last point I do want to say is this game looks gorgeous. Like, absolutely mm, that's, fantastic. That's what was drawing me in, was the, the graphics were just fantastic. And I really love the colors. Like, all the other Assassin's Creed games have kind of had this, like, dull color palette. Like, everything's white and kind of brownish and all this stuff. You're in Egypt, so you got the big popping greens or the foliage and everything. It seemed like the color really popped in this game, which really made it way more attractive to the eye. Number three. For my next one, this is a short and sweet little beauty here, but I I would be remiss if I didn't have this on my list because as some of you may or may not know, I love Horizon Zero Dawn. And guess what they showcased? They have a DLC coming down the pipes. And when I say coming down the pipes, I mean sometime 2017. They didn't give a release date. I would say with some confidence that it will be 2017 because it's been quite a while now since the release of the original game. You know, I feel like this is the time where players are settling down, they've platinumed it, moved on, but still are paying attention and want something in that universe, yep, yep. which is precisely where I'm at. So I feel like we'll get it this year for sure, hopefully sooner than later. If you haven't played this game, go do yourself a favor, check out Horizon Zero Dawn. And then, who knows, by the time you finish, you might be just in time for Horizon Zero Dawn, the Frozen Wilds DLC. All we know thus far, or at least all I know thus far, is that you're going to the north, way up to the north, into the cold, cold region. And Aloy is trying to find more answers, obviously, and if you ever play the original game, you'll know she's a curious individual and wants to know what the heck's going on, how to fix things, how to change things, all this good stuff. So she comes upon people who are like, hey, you know, get to the top of that mountain and there might be some answers. Oh, but guess what? 
The mountain's guarded by some unknown thing. Uh-oh. Yeah, so it showcases up in there, and it's like, oh, my God, there's smoke and doom and volcano and all the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it goes, guess what? You're going to get new environments. You're going to get a new story arc. You're going to get new machines and the new ways to do all these things. It's going to be great. Wow. <laughs> and that was kind of it. It was real vague. Yeah, that's true. But that's all I need, because if you've played Horizon Zero Dawn, you know that taking down machines is a ton of fun. And they give you many ways to go about doing it, and you're welcome to choose any of those ways to figure out what's best for you. Because sometimes, just because it might be the most efficient to take a fire arrow, shoot him at his weak point, blow up his canisters, etc., maybe that's not your jam. Maybe you like to lay tripwires and just, hey, just let him chase you around until he blows up or trap, you know, throw some traps on him, etc. Whatever floats your boat, that's part of the fun. So when they said, new machines, I was already on board. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. I can't wait for some more news, and I really hope that they do stick to the 2017 release date. But as we know, I'll let you guys know because Horizon is my baby, and I will talk about it many more times. My next three are all going to be future games. The next game specifically is really interesting because one of the first day press conferences, Rare showed off their Sea of Thieves multiplayer pirate game, and everyone was going, oh my gosh, so amazing, that looks really great. And it does look pretty good, but the next game for me, which they released footage of I think the day after, is Skull and Bones, developed by Ubisoft Singapore, published by Ubisoft. This one is slated for a quarter three slash quarter four 2018 release for PC, PS4, Xbox One. Like I said, hey, it's another pirate game, basically looking like the piracy slash ship bits of Assassin's Creed Black Flag and Assassin's Creed Rogue, which were undoubtedly the best parts of those games. So I was definitely happy to see that really entertaining and really enjoyable mechanic blown up into its own game, because people have been talking about that ever since Black Flag came out. You're going to be creating a whole pirate gang, and I believe they said you can even customize your pirate flag, customize your faction emblem, so people are wondering if you can make like a whole clan in this big giant open piracy world. They've been talking about all kinds of different ships you can pilot. They showed off a multiplayer PvP mode called Loot Hunt in which you and another team are going around trying to snatch up all the loot. I think they're even shooting like NPC ships to down them to get the loot out of them before the other team would get them. Oh yeah. So it was all about, you know, piracy and raiding and all this stuff. I was looking for more info on it and saw an article on The Escapist with one of the game directors or designers saying that there is also going to be a narrative campaign featuring iconic characters and rival pirates and he said that this is not something aside from the multiplayer so i mean it's been announced as this big open world game people are wondering if that means something like maybe the division where your single player is here on this big giant chunk of the map and then you sail into the indian ocean or into pirate waters or something for the pvp stuff sounded like a lot of fun my only concern with it is i hope they make it a little bit more strategic and a little bit more tactical than the original assassin's creed piracy stuff because that was It was pretty basic. It looks like it should be expanding upon that in a really good way. I'm super excited about it. One of the last teaser trailers showed like the shadow of a giant kraken coming up from the deep. So I'm really hoping that either that's in the story mode or what would be really awesome is if you're a badass PvP guy and you go into the open piracy waters, maybe there's some PvE enemies like the kraken or pirate hunters that come specifically after you. I would put money on the bet that that's going to be a control and that if you're in the waters too long or something like that, you have mm-hmm. a chance of attracting, uh, you know, Sharku or Kraken or mm-hmm. any of these other mystical uh, seafaring monsters. Yeah. Because that would just make a lot of sense. Like you said, if someone's in there just 
wrecking town. Mm. I don't gotta leave ever. Ha 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 ha. Well, you're not you're not killing a kraken, and I'm gonna take all your ships and all your booty, and off I go. Yeah. Suckers. Now this game, I was excited about Matt because, and I gotta go farther back than you with Black Flag on this. I went oh, skies of Arcadia. Oh yeah. There you go. Oh, that's the last game I've ever played with ship battling. <laughs> nice. Well, see, I'll take it back to a similar extent where the remake of Sid Meier's Pirates that was on the Xbox One and PC. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I played that for entirely too many hours. I think I went through three full campaigns. I got to the point where there was nothing else to do, and I was just roaming around, killing ships and taking loot and selling it for no real purpose, just because it was so fun to sail around mm-hmm. and kill ships and get the loot and turn it in and sell it. I used to watch my roommate James play that over and over and over and over again go. back in the day. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, no, I didn't play that one, so that's why I didn't mention it. But mm. I did watch it extensively, and I don't know how I did that. Man, life was so much simpler back then. That's right. Let me spend six hours watching a Fred play Sid Meier's Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness gracious. Awesome piracy game. Again, coming out late 2018, might get pushed to 2019. Who knows at this point? But I'm super stoked for it. Number two. At E3, they, of course, showcased some more on Destiny 2. And I know, you know, everybody's going, hey, you've talked about Destiny 2 already. That's true. Hey, shut up and pick something else. Hey, that's bull crap. Well, let me say, they had more interviews at E3 and after E3, so there's been some more information. So, real briefly... Boo. I was, oh, Boo. come on. Okay. I'm getting to the basics <laughs> quick, man. <laughs> It's going to be coming September 6th, not the 8th, so that's a change. That'll be on the Xbox One and the PS4 because it is coming to PC. However, it'll be coming to the PC October 24th. Also a new change because before we had no idea when PC was launching. That's true, that's true. And a few other things that have been added on to what's going on with Destiny 2. For those of you guys who don't know, faction vendors are going to be back. There was a lot of speculation on what what their role was going to be in this. We've seen some of the Guardians in faction armor. We're still kind of in a mystery on this, but they did officially announce that the faction vendors will come back. However, they will no longer be selling their weapons. So you'll only be able to get your armor sets from them, and if you want faction weapons, you'll have to get your reputation up through them to get the packages. And the packages will have a chance to drop their weapons. Of course, with random rolls, such as the case... As always. I'm totally happy about that because beforehand they would change their uh, stock out every few, I don't remember if it was weeks or months anymore, but they would change their stock out occasionally. And once in a while, if the luck of the draw be it, it would have a max roll. And then that was the go-to. You know, you had to get your rep up with those guys, go get it. In a looter-shooter type game, that's no fun. You don't want to get your best weapon from a vendor that you just bought for the cheap. So cool change, and I look forward to seeing it actually live. Another thing was that they announced Lost Sectors before. However, from what I'm hearing, Lost Sectors are going to be unique areas, specifically made to be done once to get a piece of loot that is high-end for whatever level you are. This presents a problem, because say you find one of these Lost Sectors, and you're not done leveling. Well, you don't want to do it yet because you want to do it at max level True. to get the potentially the best item you can get out of it. You'll get that one piece and that's it forever. You know, I'm hoping maybe that gets reiterated a little bit. Otherwise, anytime I find a lost sector, I'm just going to go ahead and ping where it is and then come back to it some other day when I'm max level 
I don't know about that one. I am excited about Lost Sectors because it just adds more into the open world area for you to explore and find and then, you know, obviously have a good time in. But it won't be like raids or dungeons. You cannot farm these things. Something else we learned about guided games, it's an LFG system, but it's only going to be usable in normal. So if you want to do heroic strikes or heroic raiding, you still have to have a full pre-made or do it outside of LFG. Since you said you can put little messages in what you're looking for, you should be able to just put, hey, looking for heroic they would see it and that's perfect you're right we're actually looking for heroic so if you're not interested please don't apply and then everybody will know right from the get-go what you're trying to do so you won't have to invite and say hey do you want to do a heroic instead of the normal and then they can say no then you got a brie cube blah 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 it seems like the community's already finding a way to get around that but hey Good on them for at least getting an LFG in there. And while we're on guided games and, you know, helping people out, another thing Destiny's adding is a help button. They haven't explained too much on it, but basically for any situation you're in, if you're confused, you're not sure how to proceed or what to do, you'll be able to press a button and then it will come up with, hey, you need to go here and do this. Or, hey, maybe you should talk to such and such and you'll find your way. So for players who are challenged, this is an awesome asset. Help! Oh, don't stand in the fire? Yeah. Okay, good. Now I got it. Now I know. <laughs> so for those that you know sometimes have a hard time with these bigger open world type games, anytime you're stuck or just starting to feel aggravated, push the help button. Maybe there'll be a clue or a tip that's going to get you in the right direction again. They're pushing to make sure that players, new and old, are going to have a pleasant time while playing Destiny 2. Another quick point is that the flashpoints, oh, look at that. Yes, I did it. You like Ooh, that? No, I Which don't. are a new weekly event in the same vein as Nightfalls, are going to have loot equivalent to Nightfalls. So you'll have multiple ways to uh, queue up and get, you know, really endgame gear without having to go full-on raid mode. So if you got a couple buddies, like I've said before, you're going to be able to go into this game and actually gear up and be cool, whatever you define as cool, without having your full, you know, raid with you. And last but not least, and this one is weird a weird decision to me. Destiny 2 will not launch with private matches. And the reason this is weird, because if you don't know, Destiny 1 took a long time, years, to get private matches put in. It was something the community just cried and cried for for a very long time, and they got it in there, but then they said they're not going to have it at the launch of Destiny 2. And I was like, well, that makes no sense. It's something the community's wanted forever. There's some speculation that they want to push all players to go into the community-wide, you know, PvP, community-wide, everything else. Yeah. That way players can't just go, well, you know, we're going to come practice with our, our buddies over here, do our own private matches. Well, see, that actually makes a lot of sense because since it is a sequel, all right, we're just going to roll in and just going to be in our clan and our group from Destiny 1. Oh, here's a whole bunch of new guys who saw the improvements that Destiny 2 made. Oh, I'm a newbie. I want to play with people. Oh, nobody's available to play with. Everyone's just sectioned off in their... Destiny 1 groups. So I, I can see why they would do this. Even saying that, I don't think like it's going to section off like 90% of the community or anything. It was a strange decision because, I, like you said, I don't think most of the community was playing in the private matches anyway. Obviously, I don't have numbers. Maybe I'm completely wrong or off base on that. But I can tell you, whenever I go into PvP in Destiny 1, even to this day, we're up and running in seconds. I don't know. I'm not a huge PvPer, so it doesn't bug me that much. It's yeah. just something I don't want to listen to all the po other podcasts of Destiny getting mad about when they don't have their private matches. <laughs> I'm hoping to hear something else, but unfortunately it sounds like we're going to start off with, where's the private matches? Where's the private matches? Arr! I'm still stoked. This is you know a game I've played since day one. 
I love it. I've taken breaks, obviously, as everybody has many times from it, but I always come back because it's just a gorgeously fun game with all sorts of good times if you got some friends to play with. Next up, it's going to be my quick and easy one because we don't know a whole lot about this game that I'm going to talk about. That's going to be The Last Night, developed by Odd Tales, published by Raw Fury Games. It's going to be launching sometime in 2018 for PC, Xbox One, and Mac. The only thing we really know about this game, other than maybe an interview or two here or there by the creators, was the trailer that was shown off in the Xbox press conference. This trailer is just, it's so gorgeous, it blew my mind when it came out. As soon as I saw it, I went... I need that game, and I'm very sad that I'm going to have to buy an Xbox to play this game. It's a pixel art kind of game, thinking more like flashback than like Super Mario or anything. You know, the tall, pixely characters, really well-detailed animations on the characters that we've seen in the trailers. Basically, it looks like flashback meets Blade Runner. So you got pixel art style, you got that neon cyberpunk future. But the thing that really makes the game look as amazing as it does is the lighting system. I mean, I've played a lot of pixel art cyberpunk games and they look great, but nothing looks like this. There's been a couple of scenes in that trailer or like a spotlight rolling around through this crowd and the way it's highlighting all the characters and throwing the other ones in this really dark shadow. Again, we don't know a lot about the gameplay of it. It's been described as a cinematic platformer and it's going to feature some stealth and some gunplay. They've said that there's going to be branching dialogues and branching paths and that the characters will remember what you did or said to them before. One example they had was if a character has a piece of info you need, you can either try to persuade them to give it to you or like trade them you know some info of your own or just outright threaten them and then you have to go back to them for something else they're going to remember that this game was originally the product of a six-day game jam back in 2014 and it won the game jam it won like best visual design from the game jam and that original game is up on itch.io so if anybody wants to go play that go check that out but this just looks i mean it looks phenomenal graphically lighting wise it looks like everything that i could want from a game i don't think i paid quite close enough attention and finding out that it was xbox one only because when i saw this i didn't pay attention to that particular part <laughs> so i'm learning something on this show too I am sad now because I wanted that game as well. Like you've already explained well enough, it looks gorgeous and it looks just right up my alley. Well, it's also for PC though. And you've got a decent PC, so you might be able to pull it off. There you go. Yes. Hope restored. This is another one of those games where I was doing research for the podcast and I was like, I remember that. I'm, I was pretty psyched for that. And then I watched the trailer again and I was like, oh my God, I'm so psyched for it. Yes, <laughs> give it. It just blew my mind all over again because it looked better than I remembered it looking when I watched it again. I was like, how is this possible? Oh, my God. So, yeah, definitely go check it out. The Last Night, not associated with the crappy Transformers movie. Go watch the trailer. And if you're not sold, what are you? You're not a human being. Well, there's a lot of people like that, Matt. There's a lot of non-human beings out in this world right now. Hey, I'm going to get to that in my number one game. Well, I'll just say this. Speaking of not crappy things... We're coming to my number one, my final pick for E3 and something to be paying attention to and looking forward to. Number one. And I know you guys, you guys know, everybody knows what it's got to be. It's got to be Super Mario Odyssey for the Nintendo Switch. Nintendo Switch fanboy alert. Fanboy alert. Shut up, Matt. <laughs> Being released October 27th, 2017. Nice. This year, I get to play a new Mario, man. And not only is this a Mario, this one's more in the vein of Super Mario 64 and Super Mario Sunshine. Those were my jams, Matt. 
I remember being 17, 16, whatever it was, right in that range. I bought my own N64. I didn't even have money for a game. <laughs> okay? I was that broke. You know, it took all my Gorman's money mm-hmm. just to get the N64. And then I hear, you know, Mario, Mario 64, oh, this is the game. This is the, this is the jam. You got to have this one. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I don't have money for that one. So I had to save. I had to go rake leaves. I obviously worked my night job over at Gorman's. Finally got this. So many nights of the family just sitting around watching me play this. You know, and the pressure, the pressure that comes with that when you're on oh, the, yeah. like, the ice level going down the slide. I was just going to say that up. one when you're racing that damn penguin. And I was like, are you just stupid? Can't you do this? Uh-huh. <laughs> you take the controller. You try this. You see how easy it is. <laughs> so many good memories. So many mm. good memories. And they said they want this one to be in the vein of that. So you're going to have like all this open world, the different sections you can hop into. You're going to go to Wood World, Sand World. You got New Donk City. So you got like a Metro World and many, many more. The big thing they're going to be changing, the big gimmick in this game, I guess, Matt, is that you get a hat. You've had a hat before, though, Eric. Hey, this hat, his name is Cappy. And apparently there's going to be a whole backstory about how this comes to be. So I'm assuming he's not originally a hat, but he comes into your life and he decides, hey, I'm going to help Mario. And why are we helping Mario, Matt? Because he's a good guy, because he's awesome. Everyone loves a plumber. Yeah, it's true. Everyone loves a plumber. But the reason why we're helping Mario is because guess what? I know this is going to blow everyone's mind, but Bowser went and stole Peach and is going to marry her. So yes, Bowser's up to his old tricks. He stole Peach. Peach is going to marry him. This ain't good. She's got to marry Mario. That's just the way life has to be. No one cares about you, Luigi. Cappy's going to come into Mario's life to help him take care of Bowser. Apparently, Cappy's got some cool abilities. You can go ahead and fling him. He can hit enemies. He can do all sorts of cool stuff. He can act as a platform for Mario to jump on. Oh, nice. Yeah, something's a little too far out of your reach. You throw Cappy out, and then you get like a moment in time where you can jump on him and use him as a platform to jump up to the higher area. Speaking of jumping, you get your double jump, you get your triple jump, you're getting your backflips, and in this game, guess what? Oh, they added a roll. Combat roll! <laughs> That's right. Hey, no, well, you know, he's been hanging around Sonic and all these side adventures, so I think he's starting to That's pick true, up a little actually, bit. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And everyone's going, well, if Cappy's so damn useful, what else can you do with him? Well, guess what? This game has co-op, Matt. Second player, what? yes. Second player is Cappy. So while Mario's running around doing stuff as Cappy, you can go flying off, hitting enemies too. You can obviously, like I just said, hmm. get into the spots and act as a platform for Mario, which makes life a lot easier because then you can coordinate with your buddy so he can 100% control Cappy to get those platforms to the perfect spot so you're making all the jumps, doing all the things. It's amazing. Nice. And then to just put a whole cap on the Cappy. Boo. Yes. Boo. Da, da, da. <laughs> he can possess things. You can throw Cappy on top of Bullet Bill. Not for long, but for a moment, you get to control Bullet uh. Bill, and you're now flying at ultra speeds, which will help you get over large gaps, blah, 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 blah. You can take control of trees, move them out of the way, things like that. A T-Rex apparently is in the game, and you can take control of him and use him. Just opens up a ton of new ways to play, platform, puzzles, the whole nine. Everything you do in Mario. Now, my question is, have they shown off how temporary this possession is? Because when I was seeing it and he threw it on the bullet bill, I was thinking, man, every stage there's a bullet bill. I'm going to throw my hat on it. I'm going to fly all around the stage and find all the boundaries. And They did say you cannot do that. With Bullet Bill, since he's so angry at life, you can only control him for you know seconds. Okay. It appears that different 
different uh, items in the game have different attitudes and or time constraints to them. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Because they don't want you to break the game like that. Obviously, Bullet Bill's angry. You get on him, and he's immediately just shucking you off. So you're getting over a large hole, and he's got you off, and you're back to normal. I was really hoping for, I mean, I know what you're saying. Like, you would just fly straight to the end and miss everything. Mm -hmm. But I was really hoping for some, all right, what's behind this waterfall? What's under here? Oh, poof. Oh, it didn't work. Okay, I'm back to Mario. The cool exploration. Yeah, I got you. Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, for example, one more is you can take control of Goombas. Well, they're weak Mm. and stupid, but guess what? Goombas don't slip on ice, man. Oh, nice. So, hey, you're having a problem on this ice level. It's giving you a hard time. Throw the cap on a Goomba. Away you go. And all over the game, they're going to have this. So it's a whole new dynamic and way of thinking on how to solve these puzzles. And as everyone knows, Mario is the ultimate platformer. And if you don't have a Switch, I say it every day in IG2G, go find a Switch. Because I was just camping this weekend. (laughs) <laughs> got to play my Switch every night of the week. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. But yes, that's my last game. That's the one I'm super stoked about. Can't wait for October. This is a beautiful year for games, Matt. Mm. I mean, I don't even know what to do with myself. Speaking of beautiful games, games we're super stoked for. This is another one. It's a 2018 game, Detroit Become Human, developed by Quantic Dream and published by Sony Interactive. This is going to launch for the PS4 exclusively. I had totally somehow forgotten that this was developed by Quantic Dream. When I heard people talking about Detroit Become Human, they were like, oh, blah, 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 blah. I was like, okay, yeah, it's some game with robots, whatever. But then when I saw the trailer at E3, I went, now I'm interested in it. Because I am a huge fan of Quantic Dream, David Cage. I loved all of his games that I've played so far, from Indigo Prophecy to Heavy Rain to Beyond Two Souls. I know I'm in the minority of people who really love those games, because it seems like it's super popular to just bash them and hate them all the time. And I'll admit, there is some jank in all of his games, and there's some weird story stuff. But if you just let it go and just enjoy the game for what it is, his games do stuff that not a lot of games do. It gives you really unique experiences. And I'm really looking forward to more of that in Detroit Become Human. You're playing as, I think it's a cast of three revealed so far, mm-hmm. androids, and one of them is you know, a freshly minted android who has an artificial consciousness, and she escapes from the factory where she was built. So she's trying to figure out how to live with this new sentience in this world of androids that are just servants and stuff. Another one of the main characters is Connor, an android whose job it is to hunt down rogue androids who deviate from their programming and go wild. Obviously, you're looking at some, some interplay there. The third one is Marcus, basically an android uprising leader looks like he's trying to free the androids from their servitude not sure if he's deviated from his programming or if he's developed the consciousness on his own and therein lies the problem Matt. i have a problem which creates a problem for this game okay and that instantly when that trailer that latest trailer anyway was being played where marcus was the uh, focus and it's like hey what do we do and I went, no, what do you mean we do? You surrender and you let the humans kill you all because you're stupid robots. And everyone hates robots. They're evil and they're bad. Get rid of the robots. So because you're a racist against robots, you have a problem with this game. Yes. Because you're, you're a bad person I, and should be ashamed of yourself. No, I should not be. We're not to that <laughs> point yet, Matt. I don't have to be ashamed of robots yet. Robot racist. Oh, man. Robot racist. Now, the redeeming quality. Now, we're, we lost all our subscribers <laughs> for IG2G because Eric's a fucking I'm racist. I'm a robot racist. It's, you know, I'm sorry. I've watched Terminator my whole life. And I know better. Hey, there were good robots. No, what? Terminator 2, come on. Battlestar Galactica, Terminator, you know, these movies, they they do nothing but show us. They're made by robot racists. (laughs) That's Uh right. (laughs) 
Star Wars R two D two saved the no, day all the time. No, he See? did not. Good robots. R two D two was terrible. He opened the trash compactor. Everybody'd be dead otherwise. I don't care. They should be dead. They're idiots. Who goes in a trash compactor anyway? Now you're a space racist. Now, Jeez, now I hate Eric. Star Wars. We're, we're, oh no. <laughs> that's it. That's oh, it. Now, yeah. It now, down. now it is it. Oh okay. God. See, that's how we think. Yeah, everything gets taken out of proportion. <laughs> So when I saw this D3 trailer, I was like, oh, heck no, I can't play Marcus because every decision I make would just be, give up, Marcus, give up. Well, (laughs) see, and that's the beauty of this game and, you know, most of the David Cage games is it has branching narratives depending on what you do, depending on your dialogue with other characters and depending on your actual actions that you take yourself as the player in the game. So I know on this one they were showing, like, Marcus wanting to free some robots who are in a store. And you could either go in, you know, super loud and violent and the cops show up and you can be throwing Molotov cocktails at them, all kinds of crazy stuff. Or, you know, you can run, you can hide. You can, apparently, surrender to the cops and the outcome of the game will depend on what actions you take. They've also said, as is the case with all of his games, certain characters can die and the game will just progress without him. The story will just keep going. And that's what's really cool is, you know, I'd probably end up getting Marcus killed quick, but that's fine because I've got the other two. Like, I'm super interested in playing the uh, the chick, the female character. Yeah. Because that just, to me, provides the most opportunity to be what I want to be, do what I want to do. I get to kind of fill the world out and find my place in it. And that one's got me very excited. And then it was Connor, right, was the other one? Yeah, Connor was the cop Yeah, one. his was really neat, too, just because from, once again, playing off my angle of hating robots, I get to go get, talk these crazy robots down, and for me it ain't going to be nothing about talking them down. I'm just going to get close enough to push them off the ledges and shoot them and things like that because who cares about robots? <laughs> One of the cool things is I saw a gameplay demo where they were playing as Connor. There's a point in the trailer where a robot takes a girl hostage, and it was basically the setup for that is he got called in to try and hostage negotiate with this robot, and you got to go through the whole apartment or house or whatever it was, piecing together what happened, doing a kind of like crime scene reconstruction type of thing. A Bruce Wayne moment, yeah. Basically Arkham City kind of deal. Mm -hmm. And then you had dialogue options with the human cops that were on the scene that would affect your level of success. But then in that gameplay bit, it showed how prejudiced the humans were against you in that moment when you're there to help. It's another one of those things where, you know, David Cage games really give you those kind of different angles to look at different situations and play it out however you feel like. So, I mean, if you are a super robot racist, you can go kill all the robots. But if you... you if, you're, if you're a robot sympathizer then you can go on your own little island and I will never sign your contract. <laughs> well, the way I was going to put it is he generally puts you in situations where you do have to you know, look at the way you're thinking about things and decide if you change your way of thinking or have a change of heart in the moment of what you're doing. Well, I totally get it. I mean, you make me angry, and regardless of whether I don't like robots or not, yeah. if someone's just coming at me all aggressive and just being a complete you know, pain in the rear end, I might just decide to shoot them anyway, mm-hmm. even though I don't like robots. And all of a sudden, now I'm killing humans. And now you're on that branch where you're a rogue robot, yeah. Exactly. All of a sudden, the ball's rolling. Now, oh, well, here we go. You know, humans just can't be nice to me one time, so I guess I guess this is the way it's got to be. I guess I got to take out all the humans. That's why I hate robots in the first place, see? You've become that guy, I've though. become a robot. You did I've it. i become what I hate, you see? <laughs> God, man, this game's too deep. I don't like it. That's why I'm excited for it. You go in with your preconceived notions, and you may have to break them. You may have to follow them. You may end up pitting two characters against each other and having to decide in a gameplay moment who wins, who loses, you know, because you think by what you did in the game, 
that character's in the wrong even though you're playing as him. That kind of thing. I'm super stoked for it. Here you go. Here's a meta moment. Connor gets called to a scenario where Marcus is at. And then you got to play both characters to the best of your ability. I haven't seen it, obviously, but knowing the two characters, I can guarantee you that's going to happen. Absolutely guarantee it. Oh, yeah. So I'm psyched for it. All right, well, let's wrap this sucker up, man. Imposters Wrap Up. So as you always hear in the intro, this podcast is brought to you under the Third Shift Network. So if you guys got any questions for us, any concerns, any comments, anything you want to tell us to make the show better. Yeah, we'd love to hear your opinions on E3. That's true. What did you guys like? What did you dislike? Let us know. Was there some games we missed that you really think we should get on board with? Because there's a ton of games, man, and not all of them are showcased in the big conferences and all that good stuff. So if there's something we didn't see and you think we should... Let us know, because I'm definitely open in all eyes with all that kind of stuff. Yep, and you can let us know via email at info at thirdshift.me. You can tweet at us at thirdshiftme, and you can find us on Facebook under Third Shift. Hey, and if you didn't know, we do have a Patreon set up, and we treat it as a tip jar. If you like the episode or you like what we're doing in general, hey, just throw a buck in, throw five bucks in, throw a hundred bucks in, or you know what, throw nothing in. Maybe just give us a piece of email, maybe give us some hate mail, maybe give us some love mail. <laughs> Anything's awesome, because without you guys listening, we don't exist. As you all know, you hear it in every podcast out there, because it's the truth. So, there you go. If you're interested, we appreciate it very much. It's just going to go towards making this podcast and our other podcasts better, because that's how we roll. That's right. And, of course, this podcast drops every two weeks on Tuesday, so we'll be back in your ear holes on the 11th of July for our very next episode. And you can find those episodes on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podbean. And please, if you do like what we're doing, please give us a rating and a review on any one of those services, because we really do appreciate it. Yep. And as you guys know, the rigmarole of them iTunes, it's important. Gets us up in the ranks. People start going, hey, we're good. We're, you know, we should listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we stay down at the bottom and we just have to get lucky. No one likes just getting lucky. We want to be solid. That's right. And we need you guys to help make us rock solid. Unless you got anything else, dude. I'm just going to say, don't, don't forget, forget to, to save. save.